The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hi, I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Working, the podcast, where we offer the leaders of today an opportunity to share their knowledge with the leaders of tomorrow. Each episode of our podcast draws from a live conversation I had on LinkedIn. You'll hear that leader's top takeaways alongside analysis and a deeper dive from me and my colleague, Nina Melendez. Hey, Nina. Hey, Dan. I am so sad I'm not there in the studio with you. It's very weird to be doing this. We're how many years into three years now into the Zoom era, but it's still it's just I've, I've gotten used to you being in the studio now to be doing this over the camera is a little bit different, but we're still going to have a great conversation. I agree. Speaking of, where are you, Nina? I'm in Paris. Wow. I am in Paris, Dan. This, the city of light. What is what is it? The city of love, the city of light. Anyways, it's a city of something beautiful. Well, here in the city that never sleeps, I am uh, experiencing long, sleepless nights as my uh, oldest child is off to college. He's graduating from high school this week. And man, talk about the end of an era. Jeez, this to go from, you know, a lot of time, like looking at this man in my house and being like, I can't believe I used to like hold you in, you know, my hands here and used to wear a diaper and now... I'm going to bed before you and hoping that you come home on time when we set your curfew. So total big changes going on in the Roth household right now. How do you feel about handing him off to college? (laughs) I feel great. He is going to have such an amazing time. I don't know what your college experience was like, but mine was so formative and so amazing that I'm just, I cannot be more excited for what he's about to start. Well, congratulations to you and your wife. Thank you. Did you have a good college experience? I did. I, I did have a good college experience. I uh, I studied a lot. I traveled and I spent a summer in Ghana and I was the president of the English club. Were you really? I didn't know that. I was the president of my honor society. Wow. I was my class commencement speaker. <laughs> so I was like, n- like huge nerd. But I loved it. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of pursuing what you love um, at home, but it was also just the perfect timing to do this interview with Al Roker. Al Roker, he talked a lot in our discussion about doing what you love doing and not worrying so much about being the top of anything or how other people see it. So let's just talk about who Al Roker is. You wake up with Al Roker. He is the weather anchor for NBC's Today. He's been in the weather industry for really since 1974. He has tried a few different things. He's authored several mystery books. He was in a Broadway musical. But the reason why people come back to Al and why they want to see him on Broadway and they want to read his books is because he brings this sort of charming lightness to people's lives into their living rooms with the weather and even beyond. I'm lucky enough to go on the Today Show sometimes and talk to Al. And he's just you just want to talk. He's just like what he's like on camera is exactly what he's like off camera. When he was speaking with you, he just sort of reminds me of that um optimistic, wise uncle that you want to talk to, even in sort of the things that he said, the euphemisms he used. And one that I found particularly fun was when he talked about being the second banana. And it's funny because I had never heard anyone use that word second banana, but the minute 
he said it, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Let's actually take a listen. Listen, my dad was a bus driver when I was growing up. Uh, he was in uh, management at the uh, MTA by the time my baby brother was, was coming up. And he told both of us, you know, the bus driver version and the, the management version, that look, you're, you're, you're a black kid in America and you're going to have to work twice as hard and be twice as good as the, the kid next to you to get half as far. And uh, he said, it may not be fair, but that's the way it is. And that's how I have, I've worked. And I, I don't, it's just, it is what it is. So I, and by the way, you know, I'm not the, I'm not one of the, you know, the, the, the main anchor people. I'm, you know, Willard Scott taught me a long time ago. Uh, you know what? Ed McMahon made a very good living being the second banana. I'm happy doing what I'm doing and being supportive in any way I can to the, the folks I work with. And that's been part of the gig. And as, as Robin Williams said in Aladdin, it's all part and parcel of the genie gig. When I got the weekend weather job at WNBC, I thought, all right, now we're cooking. It never dawned on me about being on the Today Show. People have said, oh, is that your dream job? No, because I didn't. I was just gunning for that maybe five or six years down the road, maybe Frank Field might think of maybe getting off the 11 o'clock news at WNBC and I, I might get that. And, and six months after I got to WNBC, he left to go to Channel 2, WCBS here in New York. And I wasn't looking for an anchor job. I, I, I just wanted to be, you know, really good at what I do. You know, I loved that he brought this up because we've heard from so many leaders about uh, ambition and what motivates them. And it's something that you and I have talked about a lot, Dan. And to hear someone who has been able to be at the very top of his career and do things that many people dream of and yet not try and be, quote unquote, the top banana, I thought was just incredibly interesting. I think there's a lesson there on being comfortable with where you, where you are in life and what your trajectory is. He's very happy where he is and he's not trying to compare himself to the, quote unquote, top banana. You know, he's not trying yeah, to be the he main anchor. Is, you know, what was interesting I thought about that, too, was that he is the top banana. He's the top banana for the weather for the Today Show. That's true. And he does have this, I mean, it's a difference between being, saying like, I'm going to be, I'm great at something. I love this particular area and this is what I'm going to do. It's sort of the opposite of the Peter principle of this idea that everyone gets promoted to a level of their incompetence. Like Al is like, this is it. I'm doing what I love doing. I don't want to try to do something else. You're not going to throw me into a war zone to go cover, you know, Ukraine, Russia. Like I'm doing the weather. That's that's what I'm doing. And I'm going to do banter with people because I can do that also. Yep. And I love it. And for Al, he's carved out this incredible life. I mean, he talks about being able to spend time with his kids and being able to do these books and to try Broadway shows. And he's got a ton of other businesses. He's got like documentaries he's doing. He can do it because he has found what he loves. He gives him the ability to go to try to do other things rather than spending his energy on finding a way to the very top of something that he, he doesn't even want to be the top of. It's a great lesson, I think, for all of us. Spend your time and your energy on what you love doing and what you're good at, and the rest of life falls into place. Hmm. Yeah. How do you deal with people who come to you who are just super ambitious in a way that maybe isn't healthy. Um, I think that being ambitious is a really good thing. Being baldly ambitious, this idea of you just are focused on getting to the next level, 
you sometimes have people in their careers where they're like, I need to get to this next level and this next step. And you're like, well, but why? Like, what are you optimizing your life for? I'm confused about this. And one of the questions that I always ask in the This Is Quick uh, interviews is, when you sit down for someone for a one-on-one, what makes you want to extend your time and what makes you want to instantly get out of it? And for me, one of the things that makes me just not enjoy a one-on-one is when someone comes in and they're like, my goal is to be promoted in six months. It's like, what? that's not a great goal. Like sometimes you have people who just see this ladder and they're like, I'm going to climb it. And my goal is to climb every rung every six months. Mm. And I just don't know how you can be happy in what you're doing if that's the way you look at it, because it's not up to you. You know, you've put your happiness in someone else's hands Mm. versus saying, I'm going to be awesome at what I do. I mean, if you look at what Al Roker has done, he's become awesome at TV and he has just become great at weather and hosting events. And he does it because he loves it and he spends his time focused on that. One of the things that he does so well as he brings joy to what he does. And he, I think he measures his success with how much joy he gets out of the things that he does. And it's very apparent when he's on TV, you can see he's just enjoying it. Yeah. In his book, he talks about the other roles he's had. What's funny is that the Today Show is never his goal. And I think we're going to talk about this a little bit. But he was really happy in each one of these markets he was at. And that love shines through the TV and these stations keep coming after him because of it. So it's a great lesson in there in be great at what you do. If other people realize how amazing you are, they want to be around you, they are going to keep pushing you up and you don't have to spend your energy and your time focused on how you're going to do it yourself. What was interesting, I thought, was when I'd asked him about this, you know, other people are basing their ladders on Al Roker and they're saying like, I want to be the next Al Roker. So I'd asked him how he responds when people come and say, like, I want to be the next Al Roker. Because you know budding weather people or people who want to be on TV are doing exactly that. And in fact, they are. And I loved Al's response. Let's listen to it. It's funny that you use that phrase, uh, the next Al Roker. People, I want to be the next uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey. I want to be the next Deborah Roberts. No, we already got one of those, uh, whoever it is. You've got to be the best you. Uh, uh, Yes, you can take inspiration from people. But and, and listen, I was that way. I wanted to be the next Willard. And and Willard had said to me, he said, listen, he goes, you got to be yourself. I said, no, at the end of the day, you can create a character and all that. But if you're not yourself, people are going to see through that. Um, so you, for better or for worse, be you, be yourself uh, and, and just be the best you. Uh, and I know that's easier said than done. I think you got to be in it for the long game. I mean, I'm not the me now that I was even 10 years ago, five years ago. If 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 you're smart, um, you evolve. And the other thing is don't get complacent. You know, people say to me, you don't get nervous uh, when you go on TV. I say, I'm nervous every day. I'm nervous doing this. I, I, I'm, ner- I'm certainly nervous every morning before the Today Show because – I want to do a good job. I want to do the best there is. If you are not nervous, then that means you've stayed in whatever you're doing too long. I love it when people say, you know, just be yourself. And that advice comes up all the time. I always wonder, though, about when is being yourself too much, particularly when you're at work. 
Because the truth is, is the person we are at work is very rarely the person, the self that we are at home or with our friends. So what do you think, Dan? Like how much of being yourself is actually a, like real advice? Or am I missing something? When people say be yourself, are they talking about something else? You know, I used to think – I've my, my perspective on this has changed over the years. And I used to really think that when you came into the office, you needed to be the office version of yourself. And I think I was wrong about that. I, I just think that you are setting yourself up to be miserable if you have to keep part of your personality locked away when you step into the office. I think that if you are someone who is, I don't know, unprofessional in their life – then you don't want to actually be in the workplace and be unprofessional. So you have to be someone that other people want to be around. You know, you need to be someone that other people take seriously, that they want to work with. Um, so if assuming that you are a human that has those abilities to be able to be a human in the workplace, then I think bringing your personality to work is a really good thing. And if you're at a place that doesn't reward that or is telling you not to, it's probably not the right place for you. Now, the one thing I will say is I think it makes sense if someone, when they come into the job, if they kind of suss things out for a little while, maybe take a month, understand the office a little bit, let people know, you know, show that you can do the work, and then you can bring your full self. Maybe you want to ease it in to the office. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's the bridge between the, the way I used to think and the way I think now is you have to have this easing in period. People get to know you, and then you get to be your full self. But I love it when I work for people who work for me or who I work with, and they are quirky and they have things that they love. One of the best pieces of advice I've heard on this was on Ryan Rosansky's show, The Path, when he interviewed uh, Carolyn Wanga, who talked about not feeling comfortable being um, herself at work. And she had a great quote that was, if you can't be who you are, where you are, change where you are, not who you are. First of all, that's a great, great phrasing. But second of all, I think that's great advice. And if you are working at a place where you are, you are not being you, then it's time to start looking around. Yeah. I love that idea of bringing your full self and your true self to work. But what happens when someone's true slash full self is disruptive? Is there a place for them? I guess then it's up to the manager to be like, you're not fitting in here, or this isn't working for what we're trying to achieve, or this is distracting. And as long as you're giving transparent feedback to people, they can then make that decision. Either they make that decision themselves, like, well, I'm not going to change who I am, so I'm going to change where, where I am. Where the manager says, like, this is not working for us, and you have to have a clean break. We're going to take a quick break, but let us know over on LinkedIn how you feel about this topic. Can people bring their full selves to work, should they, to Nina's point? Use the hashtag, this is working. We'll check it out. We'll bring you in on a future episode. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. 
Hi, I'm Kwame Christian, CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, and I have a quick question for you. When was the last time you had a difficult conversation? These conversations happen all the time, and that's exactly why you should listen to Negotiate Anything, the number one negotiation podcast in the world. We produce episodes every single day to help you lead, persuade, and resolve conflicts both at work and at home. So level up your negotiation skills by making Negotiate Anything part of your daily routine. And we're back. Nina, something we talk a lot about on LinkedIn is this idea of whether you can truly plan out your career. I have long struggled with this. I'm not someone who's ever planned out his career. So I was really happy to hear Al talk about how he thinks about it because it made me feel better about the fact that I'm bad at planning my own career. Okay, here's what Al had to say. As far as your career is concerned, you should be open to to, to anything. You know, uh, there's there's no reason why you can't change a career or do it. Something, something may present itself that you weren't even thinking of. Uh, and, but if you're original and no, I can't do that, cause I'm, I'm, I want to do this, you know, uh, I, I, I think you, you cut yourself off to, to, to all kinds of possibilities, including personal, uh, uh, uh opportunities. I, I think that, you know, if you have those blinders on, I've, I've got to follow this path. You know, there, there are other paths to be taken. Uh, you know, it's, I, I saw this on a T-shirt, you know, all those who wander are not lost. You know, you don't know where another path may lead. It may not. And, and by the way, maybe it's not the right path. You get back on another path, you know, but, you know, uh, uh, I, I think, and especially when you're younger and you've got all these opportunities, please go, go for it. I'm with you on this one, Dan. I have gone back and forth about how much planning you can do for your career. But I realize that when I try and plan out my career, actually really when I try and really plan out anything, it's only because I feel incredibly insecure about it. And the planning is my effort to take control of something that ultimately I think I don't have a ton of control over. And it's kind of like what you were saying is when you talk to people and they're like, in five months or in six months, I want to get a raise and how that's not the right parameters for planning out what you want to do at work. I, I find that when I do that, it's because I'm trying to steer a ship that is like, like it's in the middle of a storm. And I'm like, maybe if I aim for the raise in six months, that's going to get me somewhere. But on the flip side of that, I think that it's also really important to set guardrails for yourself and to set milestones. I think it's important for me, at least, to to have a sight in mind, have a goal in mind. Yeah, I agree with you, Nina. For me in my career, it has been much less about knowing where I want to be in five years to having a general sense of where the industry is going or how things are going to change and how I can make sure that I am positioned well within those external factors. And so it's more like to your um, metaphor, it's sort of like, well, here's the storm. I think that I can navigate through this storm in this particular direction, continuing to do what I love. But I don't know where I'm going to be. I just know where the storm is, and I got to make sure I'm out of the storm's way. You know, our colleague Jesse Hempel had me do this uh, 
exercise, which I thought was fascinating. She said, write down your perfect job in five years. Like, where are you in five years? Put it in an email. And she's like, but you have to send it. She goes, send it to me. So that way it's out there. And it was the most terrifying exercise because, I mean, because I love Jessie and she's smart and she's insightful. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to tell her where I want to be in five years, you know. But I wrote it out and I sent it to her. And it's so funny because that's, this was like months and months and months ago, but I've been thinking about it and it's sort of been on my mind because I think it's nice to be able to sort of look back and see what you have been able to accomplish and what kind of surprised you in life. Like, do you, do you have a diary, Dan? Do you write in, your, in a diary? Do you journal? I have a journal. I don't actually put anything in it, but I should. I know I should. Everyone that we have on this show, this is like everyone's advice. Journal. You got to be journaling. Do you do it? I do. And part of what I love about it is looking back, going off, looking into old journals and being like, oh, I remember that and writing that. And I was in this part of my career in my life. And I either I thought I was going to go this way and now look at where I am. So it's just I like it as sort of a way to remind myself that like life is unpredictable. And there's this quote in the Bible that says like many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And if you take the, you know, take the Lord out and you can say many are the plans in a man's heart, but life happens, you know? So right. Um, I think that's the same goes with, with one's career. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. What you're talking about is looking backward, not looking forward. I mean, it's this idea of being, of cheering on where you've been and how you've changed. And I love that perspective. To take this all the way back to the beginning where we started this, this conversation, my son, when he graduated, one of the things that his school did, which I thought was so cool, was when he was a freshman, they, they had all the freshmen write letters to themselves as seniors. And then in their last week of school, they gave the letters back to them and they had them read what they had said about what they thought their futures held and where they wanted to be by the time they were seniors. And it's an opportunity to see how much you've changed and how much you've grown and how life will surprise you because what you thought you wanted to achieve when you were a freshman is different than where you are when you're a senior and what you want to achieve when you're a senior. And that idea of looking back and cheering on how much you've accomplished, I think, is a really important one for people. And I don't do it enough. I should be doing it. I just to look back and be like, this is amazing. Like, I've, I've accomplished a lot. I'm a different person than I was. And it's a good reminder that you're going to be a different person in the future. So, Nina, speaking of looking back, what's your favorite part of this interview? You know, it was there's so much that was good, uh, and I love Al Roker, but I particularly loved what he said, which I thought was a very sobering perspective on a on a jovial guy. Was when he talked about how he is a black man, I completely acknowledge that he's had to work twice as hard to get to where he's at, and that's just something that I just don't think people or leaders talk much about or even dare I say enough about that for people of color the race just isn't the same so I appreciated that he was honest about that yeah I thought it was even more powerful that he just kind of dropped it in it wasn't like and now I'm going to talk about this it was just sort of like yeah this is this is what I've had to deal with and now I'm going to move on to something else it, as if that was just that is just part of life yeah 
Um, what about you? What was your favorite part? I thought that part was great. I really, I mean, I really enjoyed the entire discussion with him. But at one point we were talking about teams and he started talking about the A-team. He's a big fan of the 80s show, the A-team. But Al Roker didn't just talk about the A-team. He recited word for word the entire opening. You got to hear this. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the AT. So you've heard what sticks out to us, and now we would love to hear from you. What really resonated with you about Dan's conversation with Al Roker? Let us know on LinkedIn using the hashtag thisisworking, or you can send us your voice. Make a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at thisisworking at linkedin.com. Either way, you might hear your contributions on an upcoming episode. Please share this podcast episode with a friend and review it. It helps new listeners find us. If you'd like to hear the full conversation between Dan and Al, check the show notes. We'll link to it there. This is Working is a LinkedIn editorial production. Our production team includes Sarah Storm, Stephen Valdivia, Asaf Gidron, and Lolia Briggs. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Our head of original programming is Courtney Koop. I'm Nina Melendez, senior producer. And I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Be well and stay curious.